Hi, my name is Graham Barrett, and thanks for downloading the latest episode of the C-Suite podcast. World Suicide Prevention Day is on the 10th of September, and this year, Ripple Suicide Prevention wants to highlight mental health in the workplace and to encourage employers to introduce new measures to provide support to their staff and ultimately save lives. So without further ado, let's introduce today's guest, Alice Hendy, founder of Ripple Suicide Prevention. Welcome to the show, Alice. Thanks, Graham. Why did you decide to set up Ripple Suicide Prevention? Could I ask just for your personal story to start with? Yeah, sure. So um, just really to give some context, my background and what I do in my full-time day job is IT and cybersecurity. Uh, life was was going well. And then on the 25th of November 2020, my life really changed forever uh, because I received a knock at the door from the police to tell me that they'd found my brother and that he had taken his own life. So my world was just turned upside down and it continues to be. When I've eventually received Josh's phone and his laptop back from the police, because of, of my interest in IT and cybersecurity, I became quite obsessed with, with wanting to go through those devices so I could see what could have been so bad that Josh thought that was his only option and his only way out. When I went through both of those devices, I was just completely horrified, to be honest. Um, not only was Josh looking at ways and means to go about ending his life through online searches, but he was even provided with tips, encouragement, even pain scales for each method to help him make a decision. And it was exactly a month after I lost my brother that I sat in my parents' living room and I said, I've got to do something. I have to I have to try to stop this happening to any other families. And it was there that I came up with this idea of Ripple. Ripple is effectively a piece of technology. And once downloaded, if somebody was to conduct a similar search relating to self-harm or suicide that my brother did, Ripple would intercept that search and instead provide that person with a message of hope that things would get better and signpost them to a selection of different mental health resources that they can access both now and in the longer term. Thanks so much for sharing that. I know it must be really difficult to to have to go through that, um, both you know in the initial phase and then to have to to talk about it again. But I guess you know you, you see this a lot. Everybody tries to to get a positive out of you know something so harrowing, and I guess that was your way to try and make a positive out of things was to was to come up with it to make it feel like you're actually doing something. I guess hugely, it was really my way of grieving, um, and it continues to be my way of grieving. Everybody grieves in different ways. Mine is to go into action mode and try to ensure this doesn't happen to other families because my family and I are living through this every day and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So if I can stop this happening and, and stop other people feeling as low as my brother was feeling and getting support before it's too late, and if I can stop other sisters waking up in the morning and feeling how I feel, then it can only be a positive in really memory and legacy of, of my brother. Now, I guess you tell me that I guess as the organisation has grown, the kind of goals have grown bigger. Obviously, as you said, it started as a as a grieving process for yourself and it continues to be that. 
But let's take this, um, you know, slightly bigger. What are your main goals as an organisation? What, what, what do you hope to achieve? Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a beast, actually. Um, and I had no idea at the at the time that it was going to grow to this level. So, you know, we've got full time staff working for the charity now. Um, in terms of what we want to achieve, first and foremost, we want to try to interrupt and intercept anybody online who are conducting harmful searches and instead get them to the support that they clearly need if they're doing searches of that nature. That's the first thing. Um, we're also we've gone global now, so we're looking to expand that. So Ripple is available not only in the UK, but also in Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada, South Africa. And we're expanding that to, to reach the vast majority, actually, of, of the countries in the world. We're also looking to expand Ripple so that we are getting people the support that they need for different conditions. So not only self-harm and suicidal ideation, but actually eating disorders, alcohol abuse, gambling abuse, domestic abuse. They're all serious, serious things. And actually, they can contribute and lead somebody to self-harm or take their life. So it really is quite intertwined. So we're expanding our service to be able to, to offer support to people for all a whole range of different conditions as well. Wow, that's awesome that you've gone global as well with something that starts, you know, from, you know, such a small idea potentially. And that's what I'm kind of keen to understand a little bit more. You said your background was in IT. So how did you actually devise this technology? How, how does it actually work? So I was lucky enough to be invited onto BBC Breakfast to talk about my idea. And at that time, it really was an idea. There was nothing to show for it. I knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't quite sure how I wanted to get there. Um, and I was open to ideas for that. So on BBC Breakfast, I was doing my interview and um, a gentleman called David Savage, who works at a software development company in London called Blue Tea, was, as he described, eating his Cocoa Pops on the sofa watching my interview. He got in touch with me and he said, I think I know what you want to do and I think I can help you get there. So the, the fact is here, Ripple would not exist without him. He is now a trustee of the charity. Um, he is now a very close family friend of ours. Um, we would consider him family, to be honest. And he and his team have developed Ripple as a browser extension, uh, a plugin, effectively, that you can download very easily for free right now if you wanted to. So I've got David to thank for, for all of that, really, and more. How much take up have you seen of the tool so far? We have had now over 850,000 downloads of Ripple, which considering we're not even a year old um, is, is quite unbelievable. We've intercepted over three and a half thousand genuine online harmful searches. So these are people, you know, this isn't searches for mental health or well-being. These are really crisis searches. And although we don't track or monitor any personally identifiable information whatsoever, we have actually now had 24 individuals approach us directly, either through the website, email or social media, to tell us that they are still here because Ripple intercepted them at their most vulnerable point. And it's that statistic, to be honest, that keeps me going. Yeah, I mean, this must be such a weird experience because obviously you feel for these people that come into you. They're obviously at a time of crisis. Um, 
so there's that you know there's that awful sadness to that but then there's also that feeling of look we've got to them in time and hopefully um you know we, we can help them in the long run as well yeah absolutely where, where have you been targeting the tools so far i know you've had a lot of you're targeting kind of universities and schools would that be fair because then we'll get on to this year's campaign which is around the workplace but but tell us what you've done historically yeah so the, the vast majority of organizations who have taken out taken up ripple and deployed it are schools colleges universities because it's free it's free for them they can download it on mass to thousands of machines at once if they wanted to um, and many of them have taken that up as an extra layer of protection, really, to put in place for their students. Um, it can also be downloaded by parents, guardians, charities, again, all for free. But what I'm really trying to shine a light on this year in preparation for World Suicide Prevention Day is actually to businesses, because they have a responsibility um, to protect their staff and ensure that they've got pro processes in place to ensure that they're team members can get the support that they need if they are experiencing suicidal ideation. I guess we've been through the pandemic, haven't we? And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of focus on mental health during that period. But the end of the pandemic or nearing the end of the pandemic doesn't necessarily mean the end of the problem, does it? No, it doesn't. And I'd go as far to say that this is a pandemic in itself. Mental health is, a, is its own pandemic. We have a massive, massive problem here. What I'm really urging everybody who's listening to this to do is please, please do not wait for a suicide to happen in your organisation before you do something. It's essential that you put processes in place to help people before it gets to that point. Don't be reactive. You need to be proactive here. How do you think we rate as a country in terms of recognising mental health in the workplace, um, whether that's compared to other countries or, or, or just generally? Do you think um, that's something we're, we're generally good at or we could learn a lot of lessons from other countries? I think um, considering that we've just gone through the process of, of making Ripple global, um, a lot of countries are way behind us in that respect. However, we've got a lot of work to do still. There's still an awful long way to go. I think one of the countries who is leading the way in mental health and suicide prevention is Australia, followed very closely by New Zealand. So I think some collaborative work between those countries would be really beneficial. We are getting there. The stigma is very slowly breaking down. More um, light is being shone on mental health and suicide prevention, but Unfortunately, there is still a long, long way to go and we need to be changing people's minds, perceptions and also the language that they use surrounding the topic as well. Is there anything specific that Australia and New Zealand are doing that uh, that, that is so much better than, than what we're doing? They really, really embed it into workplaces. It's, it's a key priority of theirs. Um, the charities out there are fantastic. And, you know, that's not to say that the charities over here aren't equally as fantastic, but they really go, go above and beyond over in um, Australia. They've got laws, regulations and so on that, that I think we could probably learn a lot from. 
I mean, do you think it's something when you when you start a new job that should be almost part of your starter pack, if you like? You know, this is this is where you can go for your IT support. This is where you can go for your mental health support. So it's all part of the same. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They need to know immediately where they can go to get support if they need it. it. It is that important now. You know, this needs to be part of inductions from day one. Do you think, though, that people are perhaps reluctant to speak to their employer about their mental health issues? Do you think that could be one of the barriers to to people really opening up? Or do you think it's more down to the employer themselves? I think it's a bit of both. There is still a big stigma surrounding the topic. I think there's a worry of being seen as weak, particularly if you you identify as male. There is still that persona that you you need to be strong. You you need to you know not talk about any worries in in fear that you're going to be seen as weak. Um, there's also a risk that you might perceive that people will think you're incompetent if you're struggling with your mental health. Again, not the case. What colleagues might think of them? Um, again, not the case. There's all of this stigma and worry surrounding the topic. And the fact is here, if you are brave enough and have enough courage to actually stand up and say look I'm struggling here and I need some support that is a huge strength and not a weakness and it should be celebrated and those people should be provided with all of the mental health support that they possibly can can need as well as the backing and the support of their line managers. I guess, yeah, absolutely. I guess sometimes things can be a little bit subtler than that, can't they? Um, are there any kind of warning signs that employers, fellow workers should kind of be looking out for just in case one of their fellow workers is maybe not feeling 100%? Yeah, um, they might become subdued. They might be missing deadlines. They might not be engaging with their team members and isolating themselves. They might be avoiding the office and wanting to stay at home all of the time. They might be being late um, when they're starting work. Their quality of the work may not be as, you know, to the usual standard that they produce. Um, Physically, there can also be signs, you know, has that person put on a huge amount of weight or have they lost a huge amount of weight? Um, Their hygiene levels, all of those things can can become signs um, of somebody struggling. And actually I look back now and I look at my brother and they're all signs that I should have seen in my brother that I didn't. So it really is that important for people to educate themselves in terms of what to look out for um, because I didn't and I'm now sat here without my, my little brother um, because I didn't know the signs to look out for. Um, so I'm making it my mission now to make sure that other people can. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, people maybe not coming into the office as much if, if they're struggling with their mental health, which, um, yeah, sounds like an obvious warning sign. What we have at the moment is a lot of people working from home and we've got kind of uh, and then hybrid working models being introduced. As, as, as I said earlier, we come out of the pandemic do you think that is um, an extra reason for employers to look after their staff if they've got a large proportion of their staff not actually in an office where they can see them? I think, um, you know, hybrid working, flexible working is fantastic for, for many, many people. It can isolate people as well, though. So I think giving people the choice 
is really, really important. If they want to come in and they want to socialise with their colleagues and they want to have that office environment, come in, give them that opportunity to. Equally, if they don't want to come in and they think, you know what, my work-life balance is now fantastic as a result of this and I'd like to keep it that way, that's fine. But just make sure that you're checking in with your staff. Don't just leave them um, because you don't know, you know, what's going on behind closed doors. And it's just worth that that extra, you know, half an hour a week or whatever, just to check in with them and say, look, how's it all going? Is everything okay? But I guess that goes back to the plug-in, doesn't it? Because that works in either environment because it's linked to your computer, then it's, it's going to help in any scenario. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Working from home or in the office, Ripple is there as a, a silent intervention. Okay. So I guess the, the one big thing that employers could do would be to install this software. As you said, it's free. So It's free for schools, colleges, universities, parents, charities. From a business perspective, there's a subscription fee for them. But- as this whole conversation has led, I'm sure that would be well worth um, paying because obviously the the ramifications of not doing that could be severely tragic. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. And we're talking pence here, you know, as low as 25 pence an employee we're talking with every penny going back to Ripple um, as a suicide prevention charity so that we can continue doing the work that we do. So you'd like to think that, you know, businesses listening to this this podcast would be thinking, you can't really put a price on that um, and, and just get it in to support colleagues. Because the, the fact is here, you just don't know what they might be thinking and what they might be doing. Absolutely. And if you don't have anyone who's having those feelings in the workplace, then nobody will even know, presumably, that that plugin is there, you know. Well, no. That's that's exactly right. You know, I've had comments to say, well, we don't have anybody who struggles with their mental health in the workplace. OK, you don't know that. Um, you just don't know that. Um, we've had comments to say, well, nobody would search for this stuff on their work computer. If somebody is in crisis and wanting to end their life and searching for how to end their life, um, do you honestly think that they're going to be thinking, what computer am I doing this on? Because from their perspective, they're not going to be here to experience the consequences of that. So, you know, this can happen absolutely at work. And, and we've seen it. We've seen it happen at work with the businesses that have rolled this out already in their workplaces. We have seen uh, searches of this nature being conducted um, across the workplace. Yeah. And has that come as a shock to those businesses, those business owners? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because their understanding was, you know, we don't have anybody struggling with their mental health. Well, we've got the statistics that that show that they they do. Um, We can't tell them, you know, what person um, and what they've searched for. But we can certainly say, look, it's been triggered in your organisation X amount of times. And it's they're always horrified. So what are the next steps then? Because obviously, as you said, this is entirely confidential. What, What would you recommend the next steps then are? Um, there's so many other things that they can do within the workplace to support their staff. So we've spoken already about, you know, working from home hybrid models, perhaps also introducing flexible working hours to people as well. Um, meeting free time. My organisation has introduced meeting free time and it has gone down wonderfully well. It's an opportunity for people to really crack on with any outstanding work that they've got without being interrupted. Um, and it helps them meet deadlines easier. So that's a a great opportunity. I think one of the key things for me is to actually embed mental health first aiders across the workplace. 
I've recently been on the mental health first aid course. I believe everybody should go on this course. It is such an eye opener. Um, I couldn't believe what I was listening to, to be honest, at times. If you have mental health first aiders across your workplace, they are people that members of your, your teams and your staff can go to if they are struggling. And that person is trained and equipped to provide you with all of the support, resources, guidance and advice that they need to improve their situation. It's hugely important. There's a whole host of courses that you can go on. You can even go on them through, through me with Ripple. Um, we've partnered with an organisation called Mind Canyon and Steve Carr, who is your trainer. He's absolutely the most inspirational person I think I've ever met in my life. And he actually donates some of his course fees back to our charity. So we can help put you on these free courses if you wanted to. Um, but they're a key part of, of any organization now and they should be everywhere. Okay. So you, yeah, you've got the tool, you've got, um, you know, first aiders embedded within the organization. Is there anything else that you would like to see businesses doing today to, to prevent this, you know, these horrible occurrences? I think, um, line managers need to have an awareness of what mental health is and what the signs are to look out for. Um, so I think really going on that course themselves is quite crucial as well. Um, and changing the language in the workplace, I think, is really important. Terms like committed suicide need to stop. Committed suicide indicates that it was a, it's a crime and it hasn't been a crime since the 1960s. We don't say committed cancer or committed a stroke, um, and therefore we should not say committed suicide. Instead, we should be using terms like died by suicide or took their own life. Um, I also think mental health should be embedded deeply into workplace policies and procedures. It's absolutely critical now. It's a crucial part of a workforce, and we need to make sure that there is policies, procedures, guidance in place for anybody who's struggling out there. So I'd love to see that happening as well. Um, but obviously, from, from my perspective, I've devised this piece of technology, and it's saving lives. It's a silent intervention. Please, please download it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, are there any plans to, I mean, it sounds like a very sophisticated piece of technology already. Are there plans to update that software at all or to, to do anything else with the plugin or is that kind of uh, as good as it can be? Um, in terms of doing anything else with the plugin, it, it probably goes back to expanding the service so that we're covering different um, struggles of people. So whether that be alcohol abuse, gambling abuse, domestic abuse, and so on, um, we're looking to expand Ripple to have that capability of intercepting any searches that are harmful in nature relating to those topics and instead signposting them to support that's relevant to that particular search. So we're doing that. Um, but we do update the software on a on a fairly regular basis with the latest terms, questions and so on that come come to the front of mind. Um, and, you know, it's intercepting people on a daily basis and saving lives. And, you know, that that can only be a good thing to put an extra layer of protection in place for your staff. How do you hope attitudes to suicide in the workplace will change in the coming years? Um, I'd like employers to become more understanding. Uh, acknowledge the fact that mental health is an illness and people need to be supported, to look out for the signs that are evident of somebody struggling and have that awareness of, of where they can direct people to get support and 
show kindness and empathy towards that person in order to help them through whatever it is they might be going through. I'd also love to see mental health on a par with other policies and procedures that are in place in the workplace. You know, things like fire safety, first aid, mental health needs to be on a par with those. Now, this is really that important. And by doing that, you are telling everybody how important mental health is to you and your organisation. I can't believe there isn't one single business listening to this who wouldn't want to download the plug-in and do some of the things that you suggested around mental health in the workplace after listening to this podcast. So could you just wrap up by telling people where they can go for further information, kind of generally about suicide in the workplace, but also more specifically about downloading the tool and getting their organisation set up? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is ripplesuicideprevention.com. The email address is info at ripplesuicideprevention.com. We are also on all social media. Uh, again, Ripple Suicide Prevention. Um, please, please reach out to us. Don't let this something like this happen in your organisation before you do something. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we're talking minimal pence here per employee. Um, that really isn't a drop in the ocean uh, for your organisation and will help us to continue to save lives as a charity. So, um, and even parents on, you know, listening to this as well, please go home and download this on your personal computers for free because, you, again, you just don't know what your kids might be looking at online and it's really, really important that we're getting them the support that they need. And when people do go, do go online and see your website, they'll notice that Ripple is written, the I is written with a with a semicolon, like kind of uh, a winky eye. Could you just explain explain what that is? Because a lot of people will be looking at that today going, why, they, why have they done that? Yeah, so the logo has, has a semicolon as the I. Um, all of the kind of resources that I've mentioned to you today, the website, the social media and so on, and the, and the email address don't um, because we're not allowed to, obvious reasons. Um, but the semicolon is very deliberately there for the I in the logo. And that's because in a sentence, a semicolon would indicate that the sentence isn't over. There's more to come. In life, the semicolon is now an international symbol of surviving suicide because it indicates that actually your life isn't over. Keep going. There's more to there's more to come for you. Um, so it's it, it is symbolic for that reason. It's also called ripple because every time somebody ends their life, on average, 137 people are impacted. There's a huge ripple effect. So that's the reasoning really behind why we've called the charity Ripple. Well, listen, we're going to have to leave uh, the conversation there today, but I can't thank you enough for spending the time today to to come on the podcast and explain what uh, Ripple Suicide Prevention does and explain in this year's campaign in a little bit more detail. And just for all the incredible work you're doing, I just admire you hugely. So thank you so much and uh, condolences to yourself as well for for the loss that you went through. But yeah, we will have to leave the conversation there today. So if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The links for these can be found at the top of the page at csuitepodcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a positive rating and review. Finally, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do that via the contact form on the website, or you can find me, Graham Barrett, and the C-Suite podcast on LinkedIn. Thanks again to Alice um, for 
taking the time to speak with us today. And thank you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>